0: Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael and we are back today for another Kickstarter's Econ Fundamentals episode. Uh, as usual, I am joined by JBC Perry. So JBC, say hello to everyone. Hello everyone. And this week we are joined with a special guest co-host, Larry. Larry, you may be familiar with him from some articles that he's written for the Dueling Ogres podcast. Uh, but if not, Larry, say hello to everyone. Let him hear your voice. Hello and good morning. Well, thank you both for joining me. I really appreciate it. If if anyone's new, this is your first time listening. Essentially, what we're going to do here is each of us has three, maybe four different currently running tabletop related Kickstarters that we're going to talk a little bit about and uh, share some of the things that we're interested in. So maybe you, the listener, will want to go check them out if you have for some reason not already heard about them. Uh, So I'm going to start first and I will be very upfront. I am not impartial at all on this one. (laughs) This is a game that was created by three of my friends. It is a game that is created in large part because they, the people who made it, listened to my show and have come to a catacomb, the event that I run, and that's where they met and kind of the idea was born. So no impartiality at all. I've already backed this one, but despite all that, you should also check it out because it's really cool. (laughs) So this is an RPG called Descent Into Midnight, and it's a PBTA style game where you, the players, take on the role of say a sapient aquatic life in a world that has never known humans. So human hands have never touched this alien world. And there is a lot of community and goodwill and uh, relationship building. It each, uh, each time you play, you build the world and you build your characters. It's a standard PBTL-style game, so you've got playbooks that kind of give you directions on how to get started. Their goal was 25,000. As of this recording, they had just hit 35, I believe, so they unlocked their second stretch goal. Every 5,000 is another stretch goal, which includes some digital files, like a digital coloring book. At the base pledge, $40 gets you a copy of the book. If you pledge $80, you get two copies of the book, and the second one is donated from them out to a charity, a school, a library, a gaming group of your choice. And at $110, you get a special limited edition that looks amazing. You get the regular copy and you get the donation copy, which, again, you can still send out. Uh, Their little blurb here is, at its heart, Descent Into Midnight is a game about community, family, and hope. It's a tabletop role-playing game that takes place in a technologically advanced aquatic civilization whose culture has never been touched by humanity. Bioengineering and psionic or mental powers allow the strange and varied species to communicate and interact with their surroundings, no matter the physiology. Uh, There's a ton of shows, podcasts that have already talked about this, but if you do want to hear our version, we had an interview with one of the designers, as well as an actual play where we played the game so you can kind of see how it goes. And the expected delivery date is this year, late December. So, uh, Josh or Larry, have either of you checked out Descendant to Midnight already?
1: I've listened to um, your playthrough of it, and obviously I've I've had another look at the Kickstarter page, and I just think everything about it looks so beautiful. Like, the art and even just the concept of the game seems so uh, sort of elegant. It just, it's,
2: it's blown me away, really.
0: It's a very interesting game. Larry, have you had a chance to check it out?
2: The game itself, no, but I have heard a couple of the interviews on different podcasts with the creators, and a lot of people speak to how... The character creation is so wide open that if you have an idea or even want to play as an idea or an ideal, there's ways to make that work in the game. And it, it sounds so wide open. It's it, if you're creative, it just sounds like give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I definitely. I mean, obviously it's it's my top pick. I'm, I'm wanting people to go check it out. Uh, so we'll move on. So JVC, you will be next. What is your first campaign you want to talk about today?
1: Uh, so my first campaign of today is called Castaway Curse. Um, it's an area control board game where you play as castaways on a desert island haunted by the ghost of a pirate.
0: I'm interested already.
1: Yeah, right. So as soon as I saw this thing, um, the artwork, I just thought, this looks hilarious. It uh, looks like such good fun. Um, and something I really like that caught my eye is that as you kind of advance through the game, you, you pick a character to play as. And as you advance through the game, they go from being a castaway to being like a pirate legend. And there's kind of artwork that changes to reflect that. And I just uh, it's just really cute, really funny. Um, it ends on April the 1st, but it's already fully funded. It's $85 for the game and you, it has it's only U.S. people that can get access to it unfortunately for me <laughs> yeah. but uh it still looks like a great game uh the funding page is just superb like this is a, a just a great example of how to do kickstarter right because they've got an amazing ad video and then they follow it up with kind of in depth breakdown of what is in the box and then a, a overview gameplay video where they teach you basically how to play the game and i think especially it's especially relevant to board games, but I think also somewhat relevant to RPG games. You should definitely include some kind of at least a at least a general overview of how your game's gonna work because it, it will help people become interested in it immediately, I think. Um they're very close to being funded. Uh, I think they're only a, only a, about five hundred dollars off of a five thousand dollar goal. So
0: right now they're about three hundred and seventy away, so they're really oh, close. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I just think it looks hilarious. Uh, and the artwork especially just really drew me in. All
0: right, I, I'm looking at the page now. I really like they have um, some like progression art where they show how the characters start and how they end as their pirate legend version yeah, of themselves. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that a lot. It's just a, it's a nice,
1: uh, I don't want to say gimmick, but it's a nice uh, feature of the game that I think is likely to attract a lot of people. And also, they just shows so much art on this page. I think it's really well put together and it is it makes it really like alluring.
0: So one thing I'm noticing here, they have like an early, early backer pledge level, which is a little more expensive, but you get the game in May of this year. And if you do the regular pledge, it's October or December.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting idea. This I've seen it actually on a few recently, uh, this kind of early access idea, Um I don't know if I don't know if I rate it or not really it'd be interesting to see if it's a success and if we start to see it on more and more Kickstarter.
0: right I just I'm curious because that basically I mean the game would have to be pretty much done at this point if you're if they can get a copy to you as early as May yeah, with early support sure. so that's interesting yeah, this is one I think we might want to circle back to just not necessarily for the show but just in general and see like how the comments go. are people happy with the the game or any yeah. you know you know hopefully everyone loves it it's great. And so like I said, it's something that starts happening, but uh would be interesting. So, all right, very cool. Well, thank you very much for sharing. And then Larry, what is oh, your first
2: campaign for today? Well, I was just going to mention with the last one with the board game, it's interesting to see a backer level that lets you get the product sooner as an early, uh, investor, as opposed to usually there's maybe a discount involved if you're an early, like a first day investor or something. So that's yeah. a different take on that. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. I wanted to, uh, Start off with one called uh, Decuma, um, and it, it's uh, run by Golden Lasso Games, which is, um, if you listen to the Happy Jacks podcast, Kimmy on there is uh, the owner of that. And this is their first actual um, Kickstarter. Um, they've backed a couple others, or uh, like 30, actually. Uh, but it's a tarot-based card game, and it's supposed to be system agnostic, but you use uh, the three different sets, or excuse me, suits of the cards, to go ahead with your players, uh, you sit down and get locations developed, character connections, and setting conflicts, and each one is, is set up with a question cards based on the suits. And if you're playing, like I said, system agnostic, but if you're playing with a game something like um, A Powered by the Apocalypse or something that already has character uh, interconnections as part of your character creation, Uh, Basically, they just let you leave that part out so you can still use it to develop a location to play in or some of your maybe faction conflicts or things along that nature. So it's um, got a lot of uh, variability and uh, it lets you use your own set of tarot cards. But I think one of the neat things with this Kickstarter is they've got an entire physical deck Um, the deck my deck and they have an artist uh, that's creating every single card so um, it's got physical and uh, the PDF levels you can pledge into Um, the PDF starts off with just uh, $10 and that will get you the PDF version of the rules but it does not get you uh, a PDF version of the cards uh, the art or anything like that it just gives you the rules to use your own uh, set of tarot cards to play through the game but if you bump that up to $25 or a higher, you will get their physical Decuma deck, um, which is just a full set of tarot cards. But it's, again, all the art is made just for this, and uh, they have a lot of examples of it. They've got a Kickstarter video at the top of the page, which takes you through how the system works and some renders of the art. Um, and then down farther through the story, there are examples where you can listen in uh, to get actual plays from uh, almost 10 other uh, programs from they used it to, to run some science fiction games some vampire games Shadowrun, things of that nature so it they show you uh through uh actual examples here people that have used this to start up their games on a bunch of different genres i guess mm-hmm. um, but again, they're, they're pledging right now. Their goal was only $10,000, and it's up to 36000 I think, or right shy of 36000 And it's still got nine days to go on that. So if you're interested, there's still plenty of time to jump in on that. Um, the game itself is expected to be done in July for the PDFs. And it's going to, they're planning on having it ready by December for the physical stuff. So they've had an artist working on these already. Uh, they've hit every stretch goal, um, which essentially enhances the artwork. And the uh, there's a card box that's also included. So the cards and the card box itself were uh, going to get the, um, what they call, it was a, a gold, like foil stamping on it. Uh, So they, they, that was one of their last, that was their last stretch goal, gold leaf. So they hit all that. Um, But the thing I thought was really neat is how you can use all or part of the system, depending on what you need when you're starting your game up. Now, again, it's basically for RPGs. I I don't know where else you'd use it if you could play it as a standalone card game. Only if you're interested, like in something like a microscope type of system where you just want to create some things maybe for play later but um, again mainly this one the draw on this is the artwork is is really gorgeous so far and uh, like i said it's planned for to be ready in december so they're giving themselves time and they do have uh, it mentions they have lined up a backup artist in case they need to bring somebody else on to get it done in time so they've done a lot of planning on this and it it really does seem like uh, it's well in hand uh, even though they've hit all their stretch goals, and there's a lot to it. I think it looks great. I mean, I, again, it's
1: one of these uh, pages that looks like it's really been professionally put together, having so many examples of how the product actually works, rather than just images and a brief description. I think. I mean, I think it looks amazing.
2: I thought it it, it looked really good. That's what caught me for at first. But I've listened to a couple of them, and like on the Saskeek podcast with Senda and Andy, they played through. And it their whole show was something like an hour, hour and five minutes, and that whole time wasn't spent just on this, but it flowed well, and uh, it was really it was a neat thing to listen to. And I imagine playing through it, especially, it would get you know your creative juices flowing, so to speak, and everyone could play off each other, and it could really take off and add a lot of depth uh, if you wanted to do that for like a session zero type thing. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, very cool. Thank you, Larry, for sharing. Uh, so for round two, we're going to start with uh, JVC. So what is your second campaign, sir?
1: Sure. Uh, my second campaign uh, is a bit of a weird one, though <laughs> probably not the weirdest of the three. Um, it is Anchorman the Game. Uh, so f- for those of you who aren't familiar, this is uh, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, the film from, I don't know, I should have looked it up <laughs> a while back. Um, <laughs> But, um, kind of I almost can't believe it, but they these guys have got the license to make the sort of official party game for anchorman uh films so they're they're pending approval on the on the finalized product, but they do have the license, so it's going to get made if if it's fun so um uh it's a basically a party game where you are you play the the different anchors and you're trying to make each other laugh by sabotaging each other's teleprompters. <laughs> um the way that I think is kind of helpful to think of it is kind of like cards against humanity but a little bit less offensive. So um you're really just tweaking with people's news headlines to uh try and make them laugh and then if you laugh you get points. That's bas- the basic concept of the game. Okay. Um it ends around March uh March twentieth, I think. Uh but it's not it's only twelve and a half out of thirty five thousand in its funding. So, you know, it's still got a way to go yeah um uh it, it's a lot cheaper than the previous board game it's uh 26 dollars for the game or 36 dollars for the customizable kickstarter edition where you can uh tweak with uh you can write your own tweaks to the teleprompter basically mm. um and it also comes uh if you've seen the film the, the hilarious sex panther uh cologne it comes with a timer that looks like the, the head of that which i i just think I mean, it's a big gimmick, really, but it is hilarious.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, what it looks like, it's almost like ad or Mad Libs. So you get uh, cards with certain words or phrases missing, and then you have stickers or like magnetic stickers you place in the gaps. Unless you have the deluxe edition, where you can just write in your own.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I just think it looks like an easy, fun game. Uh, You probably play at any games night, kind of with any you know group of friends. and just kind of the the feel of it really, you know, I think sometimes we get games um, based on films or based on series that don't, they don't really give the same feel. It's like someone's had an idea for a game and then has just managed to get the license. So they've kind of stuck the flavor of whatever series onto it. Whereas this to me really feels like if, you know, if it was, if it were a game, it would be this game.
0: Yeah, this is cool.
1: I like this. And again, with uh, with like the customizable edition, it, it adds a little bit to the
2: replayability. So, can I ask you guys a question here? I'm looking at the uh, funding down here, and for a thousand dollars, they'll put your name in the game. So, <laughs> what do you think about when you saw Kickstarter's got a uh, not a goal, but a pledge level like that, where you know normally it's maybe for a hundred bucks, we'll make your character an NPC in our game, but you know a thousand dollars seems like it's just a sort of like a vanity plate, maybe. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I not even a thousand, but there are some kickstarters and some that I've I've backed that have these what I consider sort of insane level pledge levels <laughs> and yet I see a lot of times they get taken, so maybe I'm the moron for, for not making a Kickstarter with them. Uh but yeah, like I I mean I think it's kind of standard uh well I guess like, like in the in the early days of Kickstarter, I backed a lot of books where if you backed at all, you got your name in the book. Like yes. you know, like the, like the a four where there's a page of all the $1 backers, there's a page of all the $5. And if you were like a big level backer, you got like maybe your own page or quarter page. You know, it's like buying an ad in a newspaper type thing. And that was cool, but I, I would never have backed at a level to get that if that was the only difference. You know, it's 50 bucks for the game or 250, the game and my name in it, that doesn't attract me at all but i guess for some people it does
1: yeah i think it's just for like hyper fans right people who really you know this is this is what if there's someone out there who's kind of a collector of and command memorabilia or whatever you know there'll be there, i think there probably will be people who are just like yeah
2: i've got a thousand bucks to spare <laughs> screw it you know what i mean Must uh, be i'm not nice. one of those people <laughs> yes you're right and if you don't ask then no one will answer right that's well, true yeah,
0: the only stupid question is the one that you don't ask
2: <laughs> All right. So, Larry, what is your second campaign, sir? Uh, the second one I was looking at was one that was mentioned in our uh, RPG Academy Discord called Unconquered. And uh, its uh, tagline there is a Bronze Age sword and sorcery and sandals and sci-fi role-playing game about journeys in an infinite universe. Well, they call their infinite universe the Loop in here. And it's branded as an OSR style game um essentially it's an rpg that's running off of if you've heard of Nave, it's running off of the Nave tool set which is very stripped down and rules light um, it mentions that it's a beginner friendly game but essentially it's classless you have your standard six abilities uh if you're familiar with dungeons and dragons you've got your strength constitution dexterity wisdom intelligence charisma and it's essentially whatever you're got with you if you're carrying a spell book then you can cast spells if you're carrying a bow well you're an archer if you're carrying you know for example you know whatever equipment you've got that's essentially what you can do so that's what they mean by classless Um, and uh, the system itself is pretty simple you're going to roll a d20 versus your ability score uh, try to get under it and then there are a few um, pluses and minuses in there but again it's a rules light it's a very simple system uh, and, and again, it's beginner friendly, but they put a lot into this as far as what it's trying to cover. Um, it's by Monkey Paul Games. This is the first one that they've created, uh, backed uh, two other ones. But the thing that reminds me about the old school stuff and where they do specifically mention it's compatible with your BX or some of your old, you know, the older games like that, the Blue Book, the old D&D. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of charts here as far as character creation goes, uh, which is included in the book itself, the core game. You've got your, whether it's your choice or whether you're rolling, there are, I think it's something like 20 or 30 charts you can go through to develop your character or roll up your character and make it kind of quick so maybe you know character death is is kind of common if they if they've got your system in there to replace somebody in just a few minutes Uh, you know it used to be one of the beauties of of you know your old DD. you're dead takes three minutes to roll up a new one so but again i'm sorry i got a little off on a tangent there your core book if you want uh just the pdf and this is going to include any stretch goals they unlock Uh, is uh, relatively cheap it's um, $25 for the digital cheap digital tier and again that's for your PDF of the the book itself and that's going to include any of the digital stretch goals Um, if you want to bump that up to a hard copy uh, for $36 you get a hard copy of unconquered and the PDF and the digital stretch goals there they also offer a couple of uh, what they're calling community tiers I'm sorry, the $36 was for a community tier, and that's a reduced price uh, that they're offering a few of in case you're in a marginalized community or having trouble. They do offer a lower price tier for the same product, and there's a few of those left. Um, It's $46 for the regular physical tier, uh, and you can bump it up to get a special signed edition if you like. Uh, But the system itself uh, is rules light, like we went through. Character generation is you're born somewhere in what they're calling a sphere, which essentially is just one of the worlds that make up the entirety of the loom. So the impression they're giving you with this is the loom is huge, and you've got ways to travel to different spheres. Now, that's not um, included in the little Kickstarter information, so I don't know how the traveling would take place if they're trying to throw in a spell jammer type thing or, or what, but again, it's Swords and sorcery and a little bit of the gonzo side with the outer space stuff. So um, You can take that from some of the Conan stories where you know, he's taking on otherworldly evils or sorcerers um, but funding wise uh, This is again by monkeys Paul's games and it's at $6,300 out of a goal of 11,000 so it's almost 60% And it's got 20 days left to go on this Uh, so i mean it's got a chance to fund it's 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 doing fairly well um i plan on backing this one because it just sounds interesting to me but again it's full of charts there's charts for world creation for character creation um one of the things they mention in here which is a little different is even though it's a sword and sorcery type game it specifically mentions that it's not a kill monsters and acquire gold type of uh, experience like point system it talks about you you're going to have pairs of experience triggers and when those triggers are come across during the game that's when you can get some advancement so that's a little bit different at least something that not something that i have heard too much on usually it's either the uh, system where you gain points, or you know, a milestone system. So that may be a little different. Um, but your core book is going to get you the all the rules for the aim and for character creation. Um, it's got a section called the Chronicler's Handbook, and I thought this was kind of neat because it gives you a lot of tips for. How to run the game, and they have a section in there all about player safety and running your table with consideration of other people, and you know a lot of the safety tools, X cards, and things like that, and how to uh, deal with things without being maybe too heavy-handed in, in as far as running your game. So I thought it sounds like they put a lot of uh, good tools in there, and it's associated or under the Sword Dream uh, logo. So uh, they're really trying to make sure this is an inclusive game, and uh, they've got uh, specifics down here and they're funding for where their money's going to, and they're paying twenty dollars or twenty cents a word for writers, um, so that's a lot higher than industry standard. Um, I mean, assuming they do fund, uh, that's a, a good pay rate. Most seems like it's half or less than that. Yeah. So you know that was nice that they're uh, putting that in, and there's two other stretch goals are. At $13,000, if they make that, they're going to actually up the pay rate for the writers. And at 16000 if they make that, they will be paying their artists uh, 50% more. So that's quite a boost if they can make it up there. Um, but again, the game itself, uh, old school style and sword and sorcery and sandals. So, I mean, to me, it sounds pretty interesting. Um, uh, like I said, based on the Nave toolkit with your abilities, you uh, and you get a lot in the book, a whole system and setting and a, uh introductory adventure to run with it, too, with some monsters. So it seems like it's all there if they can get the funding.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So one of the things that I, I don't know why, but it's something that just always makes me kind of kind of giggle, I guess. I'm looking at their funding goal. Their goal is actually $11,054. And it always just makes me look like why would they not round that down or up, you know? And and that's converted because this is from Canada, but the the, the actual Canadian goal is 14,620. So it's still kind of like an odd number. And I, and I just, I wonder, like, I always want to know, like, why did someone make that decision? I'm not that it's a bad decision. It's just something that makes me like, huh, I wonder, I wonder why. Uh, and then uh, they have a retail option, which no one is. uh, bit on yet but you get 10 copies of the book and it does look like this is at a decent um discount cuz a regular cost of the book US is $46 so 10 copies would be obviously $460 but the 10 copies is only 378 if you do the retail so that's like you know like what 80 dollars discount uh for buying 10 so Maybe you just got 10 people you want to give the book to. That's still a cheaper way to go.
1: I wonder how these things work as well. Do they have ISBN numbers, do you think, for for the retail things? Because that in itself is an expensive process. So.
0: Yeah, I honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you very much for sharing. Um, so I guess, am I next? I get lost in... Yes, sir. <laughs> I get lost sometimes in my own little process here. So my second one is... Marvel United by Cool Mini or not, uh, and this is a card game, but it also heavily uses miniatures, and these are what I th- I think it's called Chibi or Chibi. These sort of uh, almost like cutesy-looking anime type figures. So it's um, oh, it's hard to explain. So each character comes with a deck of cards that lets you activate your mini and there are several locations so in the middle of the board you have your your bad guy and what they're trying to accomplish and they have civilians that are in danger they have minions that are trying or henchmen that are trying to accomplish things and they have their ultimate master scheme that they're trying to accomplish So you play a card, and the cards get laid out in like a big circle. So I play a card, then the bad guy has a deck they play a card from, and then another hero would go, and and the story kind of plays out in a big circle. And when I play a card, usually it's going to let me do a thing. I can move my mini to a different location. I can attack the henchmen. I can rescue civilians. And once all the civilians are rescued, then that changes the phase of the game once all the henchmen are defeated, that can change the the phase of the game. And once you've gotten two of the three phases complete, then the game speeds up. So, if, you know, there's some strategy built in that which of the three, two, which two of the three do you take out first? Because then the last one could go faster. Uh, but I'm a sucker for Marvel games. Uh, I'm a sucker for... I really don't play a lot of mini games, but this seems to be a type of game that I think my kids would enjoy. And they love superheroes right now. So this was like a very much like an instant buy for me because of that. Uh, The game says it's for one to four players. So you can play solo, which is also a big thing for me because I do play a lot of games solo. Uh, It says 14 and up, but looking at the way the game is played, I don't see why. It's that high. I mean, honestly, as the dad, I probably would be helping my kids. So, so maybe I'm just assuming I'll be running the game anyways. Um, and it's only supposed to take 40 minutes per game, but this is one of those Kickstarters where their initial funding was 150 thousand, and they're over 1.2 million dollars right now. So they knew they were going to get to a million dollars. That pledge goal was bullcrap in the beginning, uh, and there's a ton of um, stretch goals that are basically additional figures. Expansion uh, packs, basically. Only. There's ex- Well, uh, well, there's both. So there's expansion uh. packs that get unlocked, which are then an additional buy, but they become uh. available. And there are some that are included, some that you can buy separate. Uh, but there is also some figures that are just unlocked for the base game. This game will be released in stores retail, but a lot of the Kickstarter exclusive minis obviously will not be included. Um, so it's $60 for the base game and the core box. Uh, which includes Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, and the Hulk. And then for your villains, it includes Red Skull, Ultron, Taskmaster. Taskmaster, why can't I say that? Uh, But then they have a $90 pledge, which includes all of that, as well as the Infinity Saga expansion and the Black Panther expansion, which both come with additional minis. But if you do... um, There's a, well, I'm kind of confused, but here are some of the Kickstarter exclusive minis that you can get. Nick Fury, Hawkeye, Iron Fist, Mockingbird, Luke Cage, Moon Knight, Black Cat, War Machine, Miss Marvel, uh, Jessica Jones, She-Hulk, Ghost Rider, Howard the Duck, Drax, Mantis, and Okoye. The current Kickstarter or stretch goal they're they're working towards is Falcon. Some of the villain Kickstarter exclusives are Corvus Glaive, Bullseye, Modok, Carnage, and Hela. Uh, we've unlocked a shield solo mode. I don't exactly know what that means just yet. Uh, so, yeah, the, so the $90 Infinity Pledge includes the base game, the Infinity Gauntlet expansion, and the Rise of the Black Panther expansion. And currently, if you if you back everything that that you can currently buy, it's $165. Shipping will be charged later. But that also includes, um, what else does that have in there? You. Sorry, I'm trying to scroll.
1: There's <laughs> lots to <of> scroll through. <laughs> there's lots to
0: scroll through. So yeah, I can't, there's there's a bunch, but they're they're going to fund. They still have uh, ten days left to go. This is my first cool mini, or not game, but I know that they are very consistent in running Kickstarters. This is their 42nd Kickstarter, and I've been you know not active writing comments, but I've been reading a lot, and everyone is saying that the stretch goals are kind of garbage. Basically. We're going to get everything. This is just a way to try to keep people interested. In the last 48 hours, this thing is probably going to explode. But, you know, it's not like we're not going to get things if we don't get to a certain level. They're just trying to make the Kickstarter interesting for the last 10 days. Um, But yeah, check out there's no actual gameplay video, which is a little bit weird. Uh, again, the chatter in the comment section is because this is a Disney license and they're probably not allowed to do that with unfinished sculpts. I don't know if that's true or not. It sounds a little hinky, but people online sure as hell believe that's what it is. Uh, but there are these videos that explain how the game works. It's like, you know, animated. You know, there's just not people actually at the table, but it kind of explains how the gameplay works. It doesn't appear to be a very high-level strategy game. It seems like it's going to be kind of simple. But that doesn't mean it won't be fun. And for me, it's, it's all about my kids. I, I'm trying to keep them as hardcore into uh, uh, Marvel as I can and comic book characters. We watched In Game last night for like the eighth time. Uh, so, yeah, so this is a no-brainer for me.
1: <laughs> it's great. I just think, you know, like you said, it was always going to be a success. And it just, you know, if you're going to back a big board game, this is probably the one to go for.
0: Yeah. the uh, So the estimated delivery is next year, March 2021. And again, there's not 10 days left as of recording. So probably a week or so by the time you're listening.
2: I, I must say that the sculpts look amazing, but I just love the one of MODOK down there. It is awesome. <laughs> and his little chair. That's great.
0: So I backed um, Gotham City Chronicles. Two years ago or so, I got. I think I got it last year. Back to before that, and that's kind of what got me started painting minis. And I still don't do it nearly as much as I should. I really got into it hardcore, and then we moved, and all my stuff was packed up for like five months. And I just within the last few weeks got everything unpacked for that. So I plan on start painting some more again. But I will admit, part of the reason why I'm interested in this is I want to paint these minis. And the fact that they are those chibi minis, they don't seem like they're as detailed. I think they'll be a little easier, maybe to paint i don't i could i'm probably gonna be very wrong about that but looking at the sculpts they look like they will be a little easier to paint which is good because i'm very bad at it but it's fun So <laughs> awesome all right so that's me so i guess jvc you're up for your third
1: sure so my um third one is a, a bit of an oddball one it's called alberson weaves tolkien and it's a strange bit because it's it's kind of related to the gaming sphere but it's not exactly in the gaming sphere but i figured let's throw in an odd ball. um essentially this is a kickstarter that is to help an exhibition in a in a museum to create two Tolkien tapestries based on original watercolor artwork from the uh 1937 edition of the hobbit Um, so if you're a big tolkien fan you'll know uh exactly what i'm talking about basically these the illustrated edition of the hobbit comes with these amazing uh pieces of art original watercolors and they well they're just beautiful Uh, you can go to the kickstart page but also you know get a book (laughs) um, and have a look i'm sure there's loads of uh, ways you can view it online as well and this exhibition they're putting on um they're weaving tapestries and carpets depicting these watercolors essentially and this is a way in which they are helping to fund that exhibition. From what I can um, decipher, it's a French page, and my French isn't that good, and Google Translate's not that good. Um, but w- from what I can decipher, there it's already going ahead. This exhibition is is happening, and this is just a way to help the community and Tolkien fans uh, get involved, basically. Um, so it ends on March the twenty-first. It's only six point five thousand euros of a hundred thousand euro goal. But as I said, this exhibition is already happening. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of like mitigating circumstance where people swoop in at the last minute and it gets boosted right back up. And kind of the lowest tier that you can pledge at that sort of gets you something above being just a a recognized backer is five euros, um, which gets you entry to the exhibition. uh, to this gallery in France where they're going to be putting it on. So, you know, if you want an excuse for a holiday, this seems like a a great one.
0: But honey, I back the Kickstarter. We have to go to France
1: here, <laughs> <Yeah, totally>. uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it, you know, at higher at high teas, you can get sort of limited edition posters, tote bags. Uh, the highest one is, I think, two thousand euros, and you can get your name on a plaque in the exhibition, um, and you can also get things like production booklets. I'm uh, really part of the reason I put this one on is because uh, my partner works in the kind of heritage sphere. And I know that it's just criminally underfunded really. It's a it's a difficult indus- well, industry art um, to get into. Uh, funding is always really low for exhibitions. And I think this is kind of an innovative way and one that I'd not really considered before of opening up exhibitions to uh, the kind of greater public and saying, look, you can all be a part of this. Um, and given the kind of political climate in England at the minute, what with Brexit and everything, uh, it's also just kind of a nice way to sort of support uh a franco-british relationship um and also just just helping out the arts basically a lot of uh a lot of us gamers have a lot of money to spend on board games and rpgs um so it's interesting to see where these crossovers can happen uh and it makes these amazingly unique kickstarters i i mean i don't think i've ever seen anything like this ever before on kickstarter but I think it would be great if we could see museums from kind of all over the world helping to crowdfund their exhibitions.
0: All right, Very, very cool. That's definitely an interesting one. Um, I hope you're right that there is some plan in place that if it doesn't go well, that somebody else will come in. But it makes me think that maybe they should have done like a uh, was a GoFundMe where they get to keep it no matter what they raise, because this is an all or nothing. If they don't get to a hundred thousand, they don't get to keep any of it.
1: Yeah. I, I was thinking that as well. It seems like kind of um, almost like a first attempt at crowdfunding um, an exhibition. And I think if I remember reading correctly, that there, there's already something like 13 tapestries that have been made. So this exhibition is going ahead. Um, in a way, this is almost just like promo for it. And it would be amazing if they reached that goal, but obviously it's extremely high and for kind of a, a materialistic platform where people were paying money to get something in their hands more often than not. It's kind of a quirky choice of something to back, but I just thought it was really interesting and I'm a diehard Tolkien
2: fan. So,
0: Yeah. So I think I totally messed up (laughs) the order. I do that every time. It shouldn't be hard, but it is. Uh, But Larry, do you want to go ahead and give your third one?
2: I was uh, looking at one called Draculola, and it is part of the Zine Quest 2 push they made for this month which includes uh, it has to be a particular size and uh, has to only go for a two-week period. Um, And there were some other things that that had to be to fit in. It has to be a relatively small project, too. Um, But it's, uh, again, called Draculola. It runs through the 3rd of next month. Um, So you've got nine days left on that one. It's raised uh, roughly $2,000 out of a $2,900 goal. Uh, It's converted over from uh, Euros. He's in Austria, I believe. Uh, Chris Sims is the creator. Um, And that name sounded a little familiar, and it turns out he worked on several Wizards of the Coast uh, D&D 5e books. Uh, He was working on the Pathfinder 2e uh, playtest. He also worked on the Starfinder book. Um, So the guy's got some experience here with rpgs but the interesting thing about this game is that the co-writers are his two daughters and they're fairly young uh eight and five but they have a video here at the beginning of the kickstarter page and it turns out um, they wrote this game together and it's relatively small i think uh it's 32 pages for the uh what you're calling the basic book and they have a couple stretch goals to make it a little bit bigger But uh, it's based on the Dracula story, and one of his daughters thought it was a little bit too spooky, so they came with Draculola, which is Dracula's granddaughter or great-granddaughter. So they developed this game for kids and adults, and essentially you're playing as the kids, and you're wanting to take this uh, dark and dreary land and make it a better place. So um, it took some guidance from a bunch of different games, like uh, Powered uh, by the Apocalypse games. It gives specific credit down there later to like No Thank You Evil, um, Kids on Bikes, Bubblegum Shoe. And it also has some things from one-page games like Lasers and Feelings where you have uh, – there's a mechanic where you're either – let's see, it was – you know, you have a, it's like a dichotomy. One, if one's high, the other one's low. You uh, that, that's an ability you use later in the game to change things. But essentially, you're trying to make the whole thing less spooky. So this isn't about killing or hurting or blowing stuff up. Uh, you play as one, two, three, four little kids. However you want to do it, but they do need someone to run the game and. They have this Draculola, like I said, uh, Dracula's granddaughter. She can either be an NPC or she's included in the book with some of her friends that can be used as uh, pre-generated characters. And essentially you want to make your home um, a better place. And like you've got dungeons and things that have nasty creatures in them. Will you, some, one of the things you can do is find out why they're nasty. Maybe the dragon who has been bothering people just lost its fire breath so you want to help it get that back and send it off somewhere where it's not going to be bothering people things you know as sort of a happy fairy tale type of thing so it's completely the opposite of your killing and looting uh game but um the funding level here it's shy just shy of funding and it's got uh, a backer level of uh, only nine dollars to get in for the pdf um, and this gets you any of their stretch goals they unlocked, and this includes your name in the book as a backer. And at uh, $12, you get the PDF, your name in the book, and unlock stretch goals. And this will let you buy through either uh, DriveThruRPG or the Edge.io platform. They'll offer the uh, the Dracula Lola Zine as a print-on-demand uh, at cost. And if you want to bump it up, they'll uh, go so far as to adding you into the book, and they'll write an adventure featuring you and your kids or however you want to do it. But that one runs up to like a $325 uh, a pledge for that. But it's a 32-page. It's going to be black and white. Um, it includes the setting. The It's called Zitterstein, which is based on their place where they live which has an actual castle at the top of the hill um, it includes the some characters they've made up it includes a small bestiary of creatures but again things which are they may be dangerous but they're not aggressively angry they're not mean they're kind of nasty but the whole point of this is that there's something they're, they're all essentially people underneath so you can deal with them you don't have to fight anybody um, and the rules are relatively simple You've got your character sheets, which um, included. Uh, if they make a stretch goal down here, they're going to have an inclusion of print-on-demand cards, which will give your has a list of powers and uh, like attributes, and you can either randomly draw those to help create your character or pick them out. But um, they do include all of the uh, six. You need some six-sided dice, but all the rules are in there for character creation. Again, it's a simple, relatively simple, pushing for uh, to get kids into games. This was essentially created by a, an eight-year-old and her sister, with the help, you know, of an actual game designer. So, you know, it's it's professionally done at the end, but it all comes from a, a sense of a child. So, hopefully, uh, it, it'll be a fun one. I'm back in this one too, but I mean. It, It's hard not to. It's a really cute little video intro story that tells you about the game and the kids. So um, it's shipping. Like I said, it's a print-on-demand, so you're not going to have to worry about the expensive shipping from overseas. But again, he's in Austria, so uh, it's a conversion from uh, bureaus, if that makes a difference to anybody.
0: Uh so my last one, now that we are gonna do some honorable mentions today, but my last one, I assume this is called TOLUS, maybe it's Patolis. I don't know. It's the new Kickstarter by Monty Cook Games, which is the recreation of his famous or perhaps infamous uh setting, The City by the Spire. Uh this is you can currently buy this on Drive RPG uh for like sixty bucks or something. It's a six hundred page, six hundred and seventy-one page book that covers um, a cityscape where you know your adventure your entire adventure could be set there and w- one of the blurbs it reads in TOLUS, the supernatural is expected and treachery lies around every corner or is it that supernatural lies around every corner and treachery is expected either way the city of Patolis abounds with danger magic intrigue and above all adventure I've mentioned many times before, Eberron is my favorite campaign setting, and a large part of that is I like setting campaigns in Sharn, which is the city of towers in Eberron, and that's basically this is a, com- a comparable thing. It's a it's a city that's so vast that you could run an entire campaign, multiple campaigns, and never have to leave the city if you don't want to. Uh, it's a money cook games. Kickstarter, so if you know what that means, then you know what that means. Uh-huh. It's high quality they've they, their funding goal was eighty thousand they're up to almost four hundred thousand now. When I put the notes in yesterday, they were at three hundred thousand so they've gained almost a hundred thousand dollars in the last two days uh there're going to be some amazing stretch goals that are unlocked. One thing that they're doing here, which is kind of interesting, is they have three different avenues of these stretch goals and then the backers get to vote on which way they go so you can further explore the city you can further explore the depths below the city Or you can explore the spire that stands in the middle of this and gives it part of its name. And each one is different types of things that are unlocked, like uh, more handouts, new adventures. Um, There's like a, a GM screen was one of them. So the backers have a little bit of say in how they vote into which avenue these stretch goals will explore. Uh, one of the things that when you back at most of the levels, uh, in addition to getting this, you get the option of getting this either as a 5e compatible product or the Cypher system compatible, which is the obviously the Monty Cook Games engine that they created. Um, but you also get 27 third edition books in digital format, which is a $250 value. Uh, In addition to the 671 page book, there's tons of handouts that you're going to be able to give to your players of like uh, letters and images and maps. Uh, So it's just it's like a full I want to run a game forever, but never leave the city campaign package because it is money cut games kind of expensive. You have to kind of go know that going in, so the lowest pledge I see is forty dollars, and that 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 is the visitor pledge so you get uh the pdf of the seventy two page book uh you get a roughly one thousand pages total, so those all these handouts and stuff contribute to the other three hundred pages or so um, but you also get the the pdf in both five e and cipher, so you get basically each. The level that I backed at, Delver, which gets you a copy of the book in either 5e or Cypher in print. And then you also get the PDFs for both and all the other products and all the other handouts. Um, shipping is extra after the fact. So uh, if, again, if you are if you know Monty Cook, you've probably already backed this. But if you don't, this would be an interesting one to get into. Uh, Patolis was a, an award-winning supplement. It's still the single- largest supplement from a from a single author i believe there's something that says something about that in there because it's insane it's again 672 pages uh that's a lot there's some of the pictures are just like dumbfoundingly silly so I don't know, are, <laughs> are either of you interested at all in this one
1: for me probably not just because um settings is something i, I already have a load of um but you know monty Monty is such a Almost like a household name, really, in RPGs, that it, you know it was always going to do well, wasn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way there. I don't, don't, didn't play it in its original form. Um, and the city itself just seems like, like you said, a nearly, uh, well, nearly a thousand pages. Uh, if you get all the PDF stuff put together, And even though it's going to be gorgeous, just too much for me. I mean, holy smokes, you know. I don't know if it was straight from Monty's mouth or not, but somebody from uh, Monty Cook Games was saying how he had designed this city like from the ground up as if it was really magic. So he took into account all the things you can do with like res- or resurrections and, you know, the different types of magical traps and whatnot. So, I mean, this thing is a giant moving piece of machinery that's been you know, built, built from the ground up. So it's got to be amazing. But wow, so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it it's expensive, but yeah, I think, I've I said this before, I've backed a lot of the Monty Cook Games Kickstarters, even though I don't run their games that often. I, I think I've run <laughs> Cypher four or five times for, like, one shots. It's not my game system of preference, but I respect what that company does, what they stand for, the people behind it, and, uh, you know, if anything else, this is going to be one of those collector items that'll probably get put in the uh, Catacon game library. I'll take it and let other people uh, peruse it and enjoy it. But if I if I were to run another game, I would certainly consider putting it in this city um, after I ran the other 1,000 games I've already got I want to run that I haven't got to yet.
2: So right. I was, it, yeah. I was going to say, just to clarify, I, I don't mean WoW so much. I think it's worth the money if you're going to use it because oh, yeah. the other products, they've put out a couple hundred bucks for one or two books, but they turn out to be chock full of information. And it's high-quality stuff, but I mean – just the sheer amount. Can you imagine looking at that if you're not familiar with TOLUS and now it's going to say, well, I better start my research. (laughs) (laughs) Page one. Right. It's
0: like reading the Lord of the Rings before you play a game.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Awesome. Well, those, those are our three. I think, I know I have an honorable mention. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw out. uh, There is a current Kickstarter that is called, it's the Batman, the animated series game. And it's, it's, it's a lot like the Marvel one except it's DC. Um as I mentioned before, I backed Gotham City Chronicles a couple of years ago. This is very similar. It it appears to be a little bit lighter of a game, like it's not nearly as in depth. Um but it's based on the Batman the animated series, so all the all the sculpts match those characters versus maybe some of the more mass you know comic booky versions. Um it's already hit 800,000. It's well on its way to a million got two weeks to go tons of stretch goals exclusive stuff uh so if you're interested at all in the marvel one but you wish it was batman instead please go check out the batman the animated series adventures on kickstarter now uh larry did you have any uh honorable mentions you wanted to throw out
2: yeah there is one i wanted to mention and the only reason it's an honorable mention and not a uh, top three was because i i think it's a conan the conqueror the advent, adventure mode expansion board game uh, it's at five hundred eighty-five thousand out of a sixteen, or excuse me, one hundred sixty-two thousand dollar goal, so it's well funded and in through the stretch goals and everything. It's got eight days to go now. If this is an expansion to the two thousand and fifteen Conan board game, the thing that I thought was really cool was they had a limited number of the original board game from two thousand fifteen and had released them as part of this Kickstarter starter where you could jump in. As of right now, they are all gone. They've all been claimed. Um, but they had, I think, something like 200 of the original board game. And you were able to pick that up, plus the expansion, which made a really good deal. Because I don't know how much the original was going for, but as far as this Kickstarter, you could have added in for a relatively measly, like 35 bucks. Uh, to get the original because uh the expansion here which you have to have the original um, in order to play it starts at like a hundred bucks here for the expansion and it's got your cards it's got your figures and it's got scenarios of what you play through similar to the other uh card or board games you were uh, mentioning earlier with the dc and and marvel heroes so um it's it's a lot of money this company uh excuse me um Shoot, Monolith board Monolith. games. Yeah, they've produced. I think they said seven other board games in the t- that have been top ten kickstarters and three other ones, and they've backed plenty. So they have a, a history of putting out good good stuff. But uh, again, the original, unless you've already got the original or want to pay a lot for it on eBay or something, uh, you know, it's not going to do you any good. But it's <laughs> just pretty cool, I thought.
0: Yeah, just quickly, the Monolith is the one who produced the. The Gotham City Chronicles game I mentioned and that engine is based off the Conan and so the Conan was the first one they created with that you know the game engine I guess what I'll call it and how the how the game works they changed a few things for Gotham City Chronicles but yeah I'm I'm familiar I I own the base game it is fun but I like Batman more than Conan so I play the Batman one more <laughs> all right and then JVC did you have any honorable mentions
1: yeah I'll just uh give a quick shout out to one because the reason I didn't include it is because that's uh, a close friend of mine, so I feel like you know maybe I shouldn't be so biased with my Kickstarter picks. Um, but this is uh, by a friend of mine called Chris. It's under the floorboards, an RPG about tiny people in a giant hostile world. Um, it's essentially uh, the Borrowers meets an RPG. Uh, it's already funded. Uh, it's at 1,800 of a 750 goal uh, in GBP. Uh, but I just think. You know, it's it's part of the zine quest, and it's I know Chris's work is is really good. The product looks, it's kind of got this almost like retro, like uh, Victorian almost feel to it. Um, and I just know it's going to be, you know, a top tier product. So if you're interested in picking up a little uh, product as part of the zine, this is a, a great one to do. It's £6 um, for the digital or £12 for print plus PDF. Very
0: cool. And then I will say lastly, um just to kind of circle back around, I think it was the episode before I covered gone Caving the Are card you? game from Dayton uh they have had a spike in funding. They're now close to ten thousand dollars. They still have thirty days to go, and it looks like they might actually fund. I was a little worried when we first <laughs> mentioned it. uh I don't think we had anything to do with it, but I'm glad <laughs> that some people have found out about it and jumped on board. That's great, so now we're ready for our going last Memorial Kickstarter segment. So in this, we are going to go over just the nine that were actually presented. And each of us is going to choose the one that if we had all the imaginary money in the world, we could back anyone we wanted at any level we wanted, but we would instantly lose access in any form to all of the others. Which Kickstarter would we pick start? So JVC, out of these nine, you had all the imaginary money in the world. Which one would you back?
1: Um, I'm going to go ahead and I will back the Tolkien Tapestries just because I think it's a totally unique product. Um, well, it's not even a product, really. It's a totally unique Kickstarter. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for a, a new way to fund museum and gallery exhibitions. So that
0: that one gets my pick. Fair. I think, th- I think that's the right pick for all of us. I don't know where I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely very, very cool. All right. So, Larry, what about you? All the imaginary money in the world, which one do you pick start?
2: I'm with you 100% morally. I think it would be to better the world, to back <laughs> the tapestry, because that's going to be part of beauty that other people can enjoy. But for myself, I would. I think I would get the, uh, the JVC's uh, game about pirates, the board game. Okay. Uh, that sounded really neat, and I'm going to look into that seriously uh, after we're done here and take a look and probably end up picking that one up. Awesome. <laughs>
0: So as for myself, I've already backed all three of the three that I've talked about. <laughs> but if I had all the imaginary money in the world, I would probably throw some extra money at Descendant into Midnight. Just because I know the, the three people behind it, they're awesome people. This is a, a passion project for them. And even though they've already funded, they themselves are getting paid next to nothing. Like all of the money is going to development. They've already paid out of pocket, pocket a lot of stuff for the art. And so they're making very little money on this. And I would love to be able to throw them like, you know, 10 grand that they could just say, oh, this is ours now because we've already paid for everything else. So I would say Descending to Midnight at a super stupid high level. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you both for joining me. For anyone listening, we hope that you have found this um, entertaining and educational. If there is anyone out there, if you do start checking out some of the Kickstarters that we mentioned and you end up backing them, please let us know. That would be an awesome thing to drop in a comment on this episode or in our collective Twitters or our Facebook page. Let us know, hey, I didn't know about Draculula or, you know, this pirate game, but because of your episode, we decided to take a look and we ended up backing it. Or not. If you even looked at it, that'd be enough. Let us know because we really appreciate it. And we'll see you in two weeks. So as for myself, JVC, and Larry, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice.